You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. It's cool that, man, I love our worship people. I think it's one of the cool things about church is, um, you know, these guys aren't paid. <laughs> um, they're paid with mostly good coffee and every once in a while some good donuts. And, um, and they, they come and from what, what they normally do is either firemen or teachers or child advocates or whatever and their normal day to day life <clears throat> and come on a Sunday and lead us in worship and worship that's, they're not performing for you. I think that's one of the, the misnomers that we have is that this team is not performing for you. They're worshiping and inviting you to come with them. And what I mean by worship, I mean like just singing. Like worship is, as a follower of Jesus, worship is 24-7. So whether you go to work or school or whatever you do, everything you do now as a follower of Jesus is an act of worship. And so um, I think it's cool that a man of men like Josh who can get cats out of trees, can also proclaim in front of you, I am wholly dependent upon the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I think that's the beauty of the church. Man, 2022 is here. Happy New Year. And uh, y'all don't look very happy about it. Um, I understand. It's not what you had thought, right? You thought we would have, as Josh said, we would have a lot of this under control and all that. And so... um, and I, it's, it's, I'm with you as far as the idea of being weary, being weak, being tired. Um, and so over these last few months as we've been thinking about 2022 and what God has for us as a community here, what the word is that he has for us, the word kept coming back, reboot. Or maybe some of you older folks, y'all remember Control-Alt-Delete, <clears throat> Right? That, um, man, there's a glitch in the software program somewhere. And it feels like we've got the death screen of blue or whatever going on. And we just need to reboot. We need to control, alt, delete. And because we're, we're weary, we're tired, there's a new year. And we were hoping as we changed over into 2022 that it was going to feel like whatever normal was. Um, one of the things that I've, and all my studying and reading and listening is that most of the experts are saying, hey, in the last 18 months, we have sped up our culture and the way that we do things where we would be doing things 10 years faster. So when you think about how we experience church now, how you experience shopping, how you experience education, all these different things, those things were coming, but they were about 10 years out, and we have fast-forwarded to today. And so change is tiring in and of itself, but 10 years of change in 12 months, 12, 18 months is exhausting. And so here we are. I mean, we, we like to think that we have control. And I think that one of the things that we've learned is we do not have control, and we're along for the ride. And so I, I think along with with many of you as I've listened and and spoken with you and cried with you and different things is that you're weary, you're weak, you're tired, and there's this low hum 
of just anxiety and stress and and everything confusion about what's going on. And so I think maybe even more so than ever before, the words that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, I think, are uh, poignant for us. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking here in a minute in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 18 and following. And it's a people at the time in the story of the Hebrew people. Isaiah is a prophet to the people that are in exile. They're in Babylonian captivity. They've lost everything that's given them identity. Okay, so they've lost the temple of Solomon. Their place of worship is gone. How they went to church is gone. How they've experienced community is gone. Um, they're, they're, the fact that they're even Israelites is gone. Their national identity is gone. So everything about what gave them worth and value and sense of purpose and identity is now gone. And they're in exile and they're being oppressed. It feels a lot like today. Much of what has given us worth and value and purpose and how we could maybe run to whenever we sensed that we were losing control, we could run to something where we felt like we had a little spot of our life where we had control. We could run to that, and now we can't even run to that because it's just not stable. Everything is changing. And so that is the season that the Hebrew people were in, and I feel like it's a pretty educated guess on where many of us feel like we are today. This sense of exile and captivity and oppression And the Hebrew people were complaining that they'd been forgotten. Now, if those Hebrew people, the Israelites, had a spiritual gift that was complaining, as we see throughout the Old Testament, they were always complaining about something. And we're pretty good about that as Americans, too. If something kind of goes wrong, we can complain really good. And so Isaiah, in the midst of their complaining, raises his hand as the prophet of God and raises his hands and he pushes pause for them and he says, let's, let's reevaluate who we are as the people of God and the situation and circumstances that we're in and how God is working in our situation. Because one of the things that they were crying out is that God has forgotten us and doesn't care about us and he's going to just leave us here. And so Isaiah puts his hand up and says, hey, that is definitely not true and let's Think about who God is and what he is. And so Isaiah asks them some questions. And really the the big question that he asks them is, where do you find your worth and value and understanding? And so they, again, they've lost their religious place. They've lost all these different things. And so he's like, where where have you found, where are you, what have you been worshiping when you say that you're the children of God? What have you also been worshiping in addition to me? And Isaiah alludes to his audience that they know about God. And they've talked about God, but they don't know him. And that they haven't maintained a relationship with him. And so that, that I think that is true of us as well. It's easy for us to become religious and talk about God and not do the hard work of relating to God. And that's in all relationships, isn't it? It's easier to live by yourself because nobody complains. But the mo- moment that you have someone else enter into a relationship... One of you is right and one of you is wrong sometimes. And so we know God is always right. And so when we have that relationship, sometimes we move away from that. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 40. And here's how Isaiah interacts with the people. He says, what God has, have you placed your trust and hope in? Okay. What God have you placed your hope and trust in? To whom can you compare God 
What image can you find to resemble him? Now, this reminds me of our recent study in Exodus chapter 20. And the first first things that he asked is, is there any other God that compares to me? Like you cried out to, to someone to to save you whenever you were in bondage in Egypt. And you cried out and you cried out and you cried out. And no God showed up but me, Yahweh. And so here Isaiah is drawing their minds back to this, that the Hebrew people in the past have had the same cry. And that the only God that showed up was the God of Yahweh, which they've had a covenant relationship with. That all other gods are pretenders. They're fakes. They're not real. And so he explains, he shows over the next few verses, some of the things that they have a tendency, and maybe even we have a tendency to lean into and to give worth, try to find worth and value from. And he says this, can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold and overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? And so this is a, a wealthy person's idol. And then he follows it up and he says, so even those of you that aren't wealthy, maybe you're too poor for that. And they might choose a wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. So again, the pursuit of something to worship that doesn't talk back to us and show us um, how God is and who God is. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Now, this idea of heard is, is that you hear something and you respond to it. That you understand that there's a truth that's been told. And because of that truth, it transforms you, it changes you, and it moves you. As we talked about in your heart, at heart, it motivates your heart to do something different. So haven't you heard, haven't you understood and been moved by this? And he's saying, no, it's a rhetorical question. You haven't been, because why? Because you're deaf to the words of God. The words that he gave from the beginning of the world, why are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people seem like grasshoppers to him. I don't know about you, but the first time I ever flew and I looked out the window, I was like, whoa, the world's getting small. That's what the world looks like, right, to God. He's looking down and he's saying, wow, there's all this. And he spreads out the curtains and makes a tent from them. Now, at our house, it is a spiritual gift to fold the sheets. You know what I mean? And so I have been told I have that spiritual gift. So I feel good about it. But I mean, you know, when you're trying to fold the sheets, like especially the fitted sheets, it's like crazy. And so here God folds the clouds like they're sheets. It's pretty powerful. It's a great image. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. In other words, he uses his plumb line of holiness and what greatness is. And none of the works, none of the wealth, none of the authority, none of the achievements of all the people all together equal him. But we place great value in people of importance. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. He's saying, listen, you, you look at the nature, you look at things around you and you look at these important people and you place worth and value them. And those are idols that you're giving worth and value that you think that they bring control to your life and they do not. None of them compare to me. Look up to the heavens who created, who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each one of them by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Again, here, Isaiah, he's pushed pause and he's saying to us, what have you worshipped? What are you worshipping? 
So the idols that you've created, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, you have a tendency to create some idols. We have a tendency to worship nature instead of the, we worship creation instead of the creator. That we worship men and women of great wealth and of great power and great authority and we strive to be like them. In many ways we worship, we mold our life and our thoughts to be like them instead of the holy one. We pursue this thing called happiness or whatever it is. We want this image and so we pursue that. And even the stars. And people look at the stars and they say the stars are aligned and if the stars are aligned just right then this is what God wants. And listen, here's the cool thing for me about the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. Is here are guys who that was their job was to study the stars and they knew everything about the stars that they could possibly know at that time. And in the midst of that, they did not know about Yahweh. They did not know about Jesus. And God used the stars and brought one out in the uniqueness so that they would be drawn to it and say, God, the creator, has stepped into creation and is drawing us to him. And we know, we know that we know that we know that there's a king of kings that will be shining underneath the star. And so he uses creation. People that aren't even looking for him draws them into themselves. God, using, pointing all these things, points back to Yahweh. And here Isaiah says, is that we're worshiping all these other things instead of the one that they all point to. Yahweh, his character, is based in his past actions of who he is and what he's done. And, and he's consistently, time after time after time, proven himself faithful. The problem is that we have with God is that he doesn't always show up on our time and in our agenda and do things the way that we want him to do. And that's because he's God. And we like to have control and we like to control God. Sometimes we think that if we just pull the lever just right and that we do enough good things or we kind of do things in the right way that God's going to respond to all that. And that's not how God works. Verse 27. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? That's us. God, we're crying out. How can you not? God, do you understand that we're tired of this? We're tired of the political stuff. We're tired of the health stuff. We're tired of all this stuff. We just want it to go back to normal. Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? That's one of the things, especially as Americans, this thing called rights. We think that we have some rights and privileges. The only right and privilege we have is the opportunity to say yes to Jesus and be obedient to him. That's it. That is it. It should be. So here's what he says. Remind him again. Have you ever heard? Have you ever understood? And then he breaks down who this God is. The Lord is an everlasting God. Listen, he's not bound by time. He's not bound by place. He's not bound by locale or geography. He is everlasting. He was always and he will always be. He stands outside of time. He stands outside of geography. This is one of the things that he was constantly teaching the Hebrew people is, listen, you are the road, the pathway for salvation for all people, but you are, I am not controlled by you. I'm not limited by you, the Hebrew people. You're just the avenue and the tool that I'm using to give salvation to all. He says, listen, I am everlasting. Not only that, 
He's the everlasting God, but he's the creator of all the earth. He controls all of creation. I mean, he folds the sheets and doesn't even stress about it. Takes the clouds and folds them up, which means he can also provide for them, sustain them, and he knows them. And he knows the inner workings of them and can even move a star so that people can follow it to find the babe Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. He never grows weak or tired. He never, his, his energy and his power and his strength are inexhaustible. The reason that he rested on the seventh day wasn't for himself, it was for us. It was so that we would on the seventh day, like today, stop, recreate ourselves, our spirit, refocus our heart and mind and soul's attention upon him, come to a place like this, spend time in community, be refreshed by each other, be recharged by each other, be challenged by each other, and together worship an audience of one and be recreated. He's not tired. He doesn't need to be re-energized. He's not weak. He's not weary. And he even carries it on. He says, he doesn't, no one can know the depths of his understanding. So he's not weak. He's not weary. And his knowledge and his wisdom is inexhaustible as well. Even so, scripture tells us his ways and his thoughts are not our ways and our thoughts. Again, I think this is one of our frustrations with God is that we pray And when we pray, we have somewhere along the way we've been taught or we've thought or we've caught that if we pray and we say things in the right way, in the right season, or whatever the magic sauce is, that God's going to respond how we want. And when he doesn't, we get frustrated by him and we act like the two-year-old at Walmart that wants candy or a toy. And we're like, God, why, why, why? And he's like, because your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And he sees the end picture. He knows that we're going to win and we know it. But sometimes we just want him to do what we want him to do because we want it. God's like, listen, if I were to give you that toy right now, you wouldn't even know what to do with it. He's everlasting in his understanding so much beyond ours. And he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. He shares his strength. It's not on a whim. It's not occasionally. It's always available for us as his children. That the moment that you say yes to Jesus, this miracle happens. When you say yes to Jesus, there's a transition, transaction that happens. And in that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit. The deposit of the Holy Spirit enters inside of your soul, in your heart. And now all of the Holy Spirit that's available to you is in that moment. Now the journey for us is to understand it and to know it and to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, to experience the fullness of the strength and the power and the wisdom and the understanding. It's there. It's a matter of have we accessed it. So he gives us power to overcome and strength to the powerless. Even youths. Your Isaiah is saying, listen, even the young whippersnappers that think they can go and they can go and they can go and they can go, guess what happens? They pass out. They get tired. And then he even goes further. He goes, you know, even those 14, 15, 16-year-old guys who think that they've got it all together and they're invincible, we, we saw this yesterday. We were at a powerlifting meet, and we were, my family and I and some friends, we were kind of joking about it, but... <clears throat> A bunch of guys were walking around without their shirts off, you know, powerlifting meet guys. And they're like, oh, yeah, whoa. Kind of puffed up. 
And it was that invincible thing. I mean, we were joking about it and I'm not kind of thinking about it. Like that's how God kind of just giggles at us that there's times that we're like, I've been at the gym. I'm invincible. Do you ever feel like that? Like there ain't nothing that can happen. And the next thing you know, a little pebble comes up and you trip over it (laughs) and you're like, shoot, I'm human. Yeah. God says, even the youth and those that sense and feel that they're invincible, they will fall in exhaustion. If you have your Bibles, that word weak or tired or weary in verses 28, 29, and 30, there's one word in there, and that word is translated those different ways, but what it means is, um, in reality, it means it's um, like a failure through, um, through the loss of strength. Okay, so that you're weary or weak or tired is because you've come to the end of your own strength. And so you just fall tired. I mean, you see it with little toddlers or little kids, like they'll go, they'll go, they'll go, they'll go, they'll go. And you think, man, are they ever going to stop? And the next thing you know, you find them in a corner and they're asleep. They've come to the end of themselves. And that's what God's saying, is that you come to the end of your strength and you're exhausted. And it's in that moment that he empowers us. To overcome because it's not our power, not our strength, but his. We'll see that in a second. And also in that verse 30, in the New Living Translation, it, it translates, I think it translates it the best. And it's this fall in exhaustion. And so it's this idea of exhausted by the hardness of life. And I think that's where all of us are at. Is that this season over the last few months, it's been a hardness. And so we're exhausted by it. Verse 29, so he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. He shares his strength with us, not in occasionally, but as a part of it. And then the verse, next verse, but, so anytime in the Bible, if you're reading, you'll see all these little things, this, 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 and this, and usually it's calamity, trials, struggles, and then all of a sudden you'll see this word, but, And this is the important part right here. But, so what happens? In spite of all those things, the way that we've worshipped, the way that we've given value, but those who trust, it's that word kavah, those who place their hope in the Lord, find a renewed strength, a transformed strength. So this kavah, this hope, is a maintained relationship that we're able to wait patiently, that we're able to rest trustfully, that hope is an active dependence on God. And that we can, because of his character and the way that he's proven himself over and over and over again, we can wait on his timing, his perfect timing, with confidence. Because we know that God is for us and not against us, and he's going to work it out perfectly. But those who place their trust in, so the things that we worry about, we exchange those and place our trust in him, and then we find a renewed, transformed strength. So it's that idea of being metamorphs. That we are a new creation, a new being. It's not human strength, but divine strength that comes from him and him alone. We can't proclaim victory for ourselves, but only from him. So, but those who trust in the Lord will renew, have a transformed strength. And then guess what happens? Three things. You will soar on high on wings like eagles. In other words, you will have a new perspective. It won't be a human perspective, but it'll be his perspective. Matter of fact, even that word metamorph throughout the Old Testament, New Testament is going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And here Isaiah takes it even further and says, you will soar like an eagle. I mean, 
being, flying like a butterfly would probably be pretty cool, but to soar like an eagle is a whole nother view and a whole nother perspective, and even the strength and the power of an eagle. And then he says, so you'll be able to soar to a new perspective, and then what does he say? Then you will be able to run and not grow weary. And that image that he's drawing for us is to run in difficult situations or difficult seasons. So when you're in the most difficult of life situations, he gives us strength not only to make it through it, but to run through it. And that's what we want, right? We want to run through this season. Like, we're like, God, it has taken us way too long, and we've been sprinting for a little bit. And he's saying, listen, I want you to be able to run through it, and not in your own strength, but in his. And we'll look back and go, wow, that was just a little blip on the map. Because we've been running in his strength. And he also says, and they will walk and not grow faint. For the daily grind of life, to continue to walk, continue to take steps. One of the things I tell the staff all the time around here is, man, we we have a long-term vision for what God can do at Crosspoint Community Church. And it doesn't take, you can't run fast, it's baby steps. One little step at a time. Continue to move forward. And the strength and power comes from him to do it. Because listen, there's days over the last little bit that you've gotten up and you're like, don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. I don't even care. I don't want to, I don't even want to turn on the news. I don't want, I don't, I don't want one more thing. And her Isaiah says, in the midst of being exiled, in the midst of being oppressed, in the midst of crying out and saying, God, have you forgiven us? He gives us, we place our trust and hope in him. He gives us a renewed strength, a renewed perspective, the ability to run in these most difficult of situations and to take step after step after step. But it's all about us trusting in him and continuing to work on the relationship. It's a maintained relationship with him. Instead of pursuing all these other things, pursuing him. Let's pray together. Lord, Father, I thank you for new hope, new strength, new perspective. Father, I pray for everyone in this room that in the midst of our weakness and tiredness, confusion, all the things that we're struggling with, Father, that we would lay them aside. Father, that we would place our hope and trust in you. So, Father, even maybe this morning, we need to, we need to visually see that. So, Lord, in our minds this, this morning, let's just Take our hopes, our, our cares, our concerns, our worries, our anxiety, the things that we're, that kind of got us confused that we're thinking about. Can we just put them in a box? Open up a box and just put them before you. And let you close them up. And let you walk away with them. And for you to say to us, these are mine, my child, not yours. That as 1 Peter 5 tells us that we are to cast our cares 
our worries, our burdens, our anxieties, cast them upon you, give them to you, because you care for us. Father, that's part of the trusting, is that you are big enough and that you're God enough to take it. So, Father, this morning we're proclaiming that, that you are God enough and big enough and good enough to take it. And that, Father, in you taking it, we can now have renewed, we're lighter. The weight of that stuff is gone. We are lighter. We can have a new perspective and a renewed strength because of that. Father, that we can even have joy in the midst of our circumstances because the thing that gives us worth and value is our relationship in Jesus Christ. That, Father, the greatest gift that we have is our salvation in you. The God who folds the clouds like sheets has given his life so that we can experience life for all eternity in your presence. Father, we give all of that to you. And we run with your wind on our back, with your strength. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.